The Brown Sessions at stevebrownetc.com. Leanne, right. Frank, Steve, yes. Bra- Steve Brown here. Hey, Steve. Let me, let me first say that I read the manifesto, Restoring the Supremacy of Jesus Christ, and I got to say, my heart leapt within me, and I said, yeah, man, I'm glad somebody said it, and they said it so well. And then, and then the left side of my brain kicked in, and, and all kinds of stuff came up, and that's what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> you, you just warm the water before you're going to drown the cat. No, no, I'm really not. I think, <laughs> I, I think we all swim in the same pool, and I think we, uh, we enjoy the water and say the same things. But you know there's more to be said, and it's going to be said to both of you guys. Um, yeah, but what about... What about propositional truth and what about power and what about structure and, and what about 2000 years of church history and what about all those people who are wrong when we're right? What about all of that? What about the cerebral stuff? I mean, you can say it's all about Jesus, but doesn't that when you say it mean it's not about anything else? I'm yeah. so glad Len Sweet is on this show. Hear him answer these questions. Uh, yeah, you know what? I I feel like uh, I I don't know why for some reason I've just been so never before have I read Ezekiel. I've never been a big fan of Ezekiel, and and um, suddenly I'm just dealing with Ezekiel. And my son goes to college, his first year of college. He has an Old Testament course, and they require him to do Ezekiel. So I think there's a uh, something going on here, but. Ezekiel, and the kind of the way I feel about what Frank and I are doing here is Ezekiel's told to go and declare the word of the Lord to a people. At the same time, he's also told, you know, the people are not going to hear you, and they're going to reject you. And, and then Ezekiel gives the right signs. He says, so then why do it? You know, why why should I go? <laughs> Good point. And God says, God says to Ezekiel, so that they will know. Yeah. So that they will know. And for me, it's not about, are people here? You know, it's not, I fully expect. Uh, people are not going to hear us. People are, are going to reject this. I, I'm, but for me, that's not about whether that's not the scorecard I'm working on. I, I feel Frank and I have been told to do this, mm-hmm. and uh, that phrase Steve, it just keeps so that they will know mm. over and over again. That phrase is coming. So they will know. You, you know. You, you, and sometimes we're sent out. You know, you have no chance of success. Why do you do this? So that they will know. You know, I, I failed miserably. Why did I do this? So that they will know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we should have a million signatures. Why isn't everybody in the church absolutely right now so excited about this? Um, so that they will know. Maybe because I will know. You know, I mm-hmm. I'm probably the most religious person. You know, I got vested interest in this stuff. I <clears throat> I teach at a seminary and I write religious books and I defend the faith and all that kind of stuff. But I tell you, sometimes I feel so phony I want to die that I can't stand myself. Sometimes sometimes I say with Peggy Lee, is this all there is? You know, and I can even win the battles, and I still say, is this all there is? And so when I sat down this morning and read this Magna Carta, something in me said, no. That, that's not all there is. 
there's enough and it's him and yeah. that's what it's about so maybe maybe what you guys are doing is just for this cynical old preacher here and maybe it's just for me well, maybe it's for me too, but I didn't read it. Can you tell me what the? Te- <laughs> <laughs> can, and can Diogenes you- <laughs> blew out his lamp and went home. <laughs> can you tell me what Jesus Manifesto is? Well, it, it, every every generation must answer for itself a question: Who do you say that I am? That's the that's the question. Mm-hmm. And this generation, now it's now our turn to answer this question: Who do you say that I am? And uh, I. Frank and I wrote this thing to say we this is who we say that Jesus is, and um, for us to say he's the way, the truth, and the life is not a metaphor. It is the truth. Uh, not one way, not a good way, not a better way, not a real fine way on a good day, but the way, the truth, the life. The yeah. truth is a person. And one of the things also that uh, we have seen and observed is that Jesus Christ in so many Christian circles today has been relegated to a footnote. Yeah. His his glory, his greatness, his fullness has been drained out of him. And other things have been put on the throne, other things have been magnified, other things have been uh, chased after and focused on. Like leadership and, uh, principles. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, things and its, I-T-S, not Christ. And yet, the testimony of God the Father, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, the testimony of the Scriptures, the testimony of all of the New Testament writers, is that Christ is everything, and He is the subject. He's the main subject. He's not an endnote or a footnote. He's not even a chapter. He's on every page. And uh, I think that um, this has been lost sight of. He has been lost in the temple, as it were and other things have been put in his place. Uh, Just to give you a a short example of this, I've developed a habit over the last few years, and that is when I listen to someone preach, I'll be at a seminar if I'm I'm listening to someone speak from the platform, uh, the pulpit, wherever, I have pen in hand, and I am counting the number of times the speaker is mentioning my Lord. And I will tell you that I have been in seminars and conferences where people have spoken on the subjects of church planting, the subject of church multiplication, the subject of what's wrong with the church, where are we going for the 21st century. And in 60 minutes of preaching, I have heard the name of my Lord mentioned maybe once or twice. And you put that over against the writings of Paul Tarsus where... In Ephesians 1, with 23 verses, he mentions Jesus Christ 25 times. (laughs) Or Philippians 1, where we have 30 verses, he mentions Jesus Christ 21 times. Or Colossians chapter 1, we have 29 verses, and he mentions Jesus Christ 30 times. This is a man who is obsessed with his Lord. And that was the message of the New Testament. It's even the message of the Old Testament. Jesus said, all Scripture testifies of me. And so... Our burden is that we see God's people and many leaders chasing things, its ideas, concepts, strategies, and on and on, and we have missed him who is life and reality and the fullness of him for the sufficiency of human beings. Uh, and so that's really the, the engine that drives this. 
And, yeah. and what Frank's saying is so insidious because, I mean, I, I don't follow a lot of people, but this is somebody that I follow on Twitter. And they, they tweeted not too long ago this, and this is what they tweeted. And, and people got all excited because they thought this was such good, good news. But here's the, here's the tweet. I'll never forget it. it there is no greater cause than you can give your <laughs> life to the cause of Christ. I'm listening to this, and I'm going. Well, you don't get it, man. What are you so talking this, about? This is what Jesus has become is just another cause. It's exactly the problem. Exactly the problem, and so Frank and I just uh, you know the multiplicity of, of, of frustrations um, just decided to put something together, um, and, and it's even in, in, the, in the places where you wouldn't expect it. I, I was invited to speak at a theological institution, and and uh, when I left, uh, one of the comments that was quoted back to me was, "You know, when you get sweet, you know what? You're always going to get you're always going to get Jesus." Mm. Oh yeah, and it was not said kindly. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Felt like this guy cannot stop talking about it. Three cheers. Well, what's wrong with right? me? Hey, Lynn, make an obscene gesture and say you got it, and walk <laughs> away. It works. Hey, listen, I you know when I uh, talk about politics, and we do a lot, I always say follow the money and the power. I always follow them. Don't listen to what anybody says. Follow the money and the power. Always check the money and the power. But what I don't say so loudly is when you start talking about religion and the church, sometimes you got to follow the money and the power too. If you, if you read church history, you know, it gets kind of, I read Tompkins little book. It was only a couple of hundred pages of uh, short history of the church of Christianity. And all the manure was in one place. And I went, whoa, I didn't realize. And, and then it lent meaning to Augustine's comment that she's a whore, but she's my mother. And that what you're talking about is taking all of the manipulation and the power and the money and the institutions that are built around those things and the people who get their jobs from them. And not saying, let's blow all that up, but that's not what it's about. You are a troubler in Israel, and they're going to crucify you. I just want you to know that. And I'm going to say, I don't know who they are. (laughs) They're not my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But, you know, know, I I say, you say you're a leader, show me your back. You know, you got a clean back. You don't have any scars in your back. You got no stabs in the back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tell me what kind of a how on the front line you are. So, you know, we're, we're touching uh, on a, touching on an important point here and, and your ministry has been beautiful in my judgment on this point, but the common tool of the preacher is guilt. Yeah. And that is used profusely to get God's people to do whatever it is that we think they should do. But note the words, what can strip the seeming beauty from the idols of the earth? not a sense of right or duty, but the sight of peerless worth. Tis the look that melted Peter, tis the face that Stephen saw, tis the heart that wept with Mary, can alone from idols draw. If the preachers and the ministers and the leaders and those who speak today would give God's people Jesus Christ and all of his glory and all of his riches and all of his greatness 
but it would solve so many problems. But that requires that those who preach him know him in the depths and have been through the deep waters with him and have a sighting of his unveiling that will touch the heart and change it. But I think this really is the issue for us. What are we preaching? What are we giving people? Are we giving them this incredible, incomparable Christ, or are we giving them something else? Mm. And uh, it seems to me that so often we're giving them something else. Jesus quizzes Peter on only one question in John 21. Uh, Incredible exchange between Jesus and Peter, but... And and it just hit me one day that this 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 question that Jesus quizzes Peter on is not okay, Peter. Are you ready for leadership? <laughs> or or uh, okay, Peter. Will you be a successful leader? Will you will you be the point person for this church? Are you are you gonna get ready for this? Um, <laughs> the, the only question: Do you love me? And you know what does Jesus want, really want from us? And we have so we right now it's all he wants. He wants leadership. Um, mm-hmm. No, he he wants us. our love. And I, I'm not really sure that um, that that's where we are. He, he, Jesus said, "If if I be lifted up, I will draw." That's right. We don't trust Jesus to do what he says he's going to do. So we're a drawing boards. We're like architects of drafting this program and drafting this blueprint and drafting this and drafting that to try and draw people ourselves with our beautiful, beautiful brilliance. But no, um, what, what Frank and I are trying to remind the church here with this Jesus manifesto is that our job is only to lift him up and he's the draw. Yes. Um, it's not come to church, it's come to Christ. He's right the draw. That means, I, Christ. that means I don't have to be anybody's mother anymore, do I? And I don't have to draw all kinds of false lines in the sand to say you're not with us. It means it means that I'm free. It means that I go around looking for the smell of Jesus, not the smell of power. It yeah. means, um, gosh, you know, if they take you seriously, this could mean revival. That's scary. Every revival in the church has been a rediscovery of who Jesus is, and, yes. a, and, a, and a right answer to that question. Um, would you say that I am? When you guys present this, what kind of reaction do you get? There has been um, a vast number of people who have said that they wept while reading it, mm. and uh, it's it's touching something that goes to the very root of of who they are as Christians, and it's reigniting. Uh, I think the spiritual instincts that every believer has, and that is for Christ. But the second thing that comes after that is, okay, what do I do now? You know, we would need more. Uh, where do I sign up? And, and in fact, we, we struggled um, whether or not to put some type of a, a call to action at the end where people could sign up, and, and we came out saying, well, we really don't know how to do that. But recently we put up a, a Facebook group page uh, for the Jesus Manifesto for those people who agree with the content and resonate with it to connect with one another Hmm. and to meet one another and to talk about it. And um, we put it up about a week or so ago. There's already 3,000 people have already. Hey, you guys, start another church. You can call it the Sons and Daughters (laughs) of Heavenly Host. 
And Lynn, you could be the bishop, and uh, you could be the pope, uh, and and I'd be an assistant bishop, and we could take up an offering, and we could build buildings, and we could start schools. We, oh, that's I love the way this, yeah. this man's mind works, don't you? I know we should have had you working on this. You, you've been around the block. Too oh long. man, I'm so and and I love it. Now look, but that's another Steve. That's exactly another exchange that that Jesus had with Peter, and I, I didn't I didn't really realize this before. Um, but the the Greek here is really clear. Do you remember when um, um, Peter and Jesus are going on about, uh, and Jesus finally just says, uh, "Get them behind me," and it says he rebuked yeah. Peter. Okay. Well, actually, the Greek there, where it says Jesus rebuked Peter, is the same as what it says Peter did to Jesus, because Jesus is talking about. He's a different kind of Messiah. Mm. He's not the kind, he's a suffering Messiah. He's not a, a Messiah. And this is, you know, you got the both the left and the right here, you know, where where the question is no longer, who do you say that I am, but what are you doing to bring in the kingdom of God, and what are you doing for justice, and all this other kind of stuff that you hear on both sides. And they're thinking of Jesus in that way, you know, mm. politics, economics, power, and Peter, I mean, the word here is really striking. The word is Peter rebukes Jesus' craziness. As if, and the word rebuke means you're possessed with an evil spirit. And he's, and he's going, you know, Jesus, you know, wait a minute, you're, you're talking, you're possessed here with this stuff about a suffering Messiah, and that, that's kind of an oxymoron for Peter. He just can't understand it. And then Jesus has, takes enough of this, and then Jesus turns it on him and rebukes Peter and says, you get the behind me. You're the one that's got the demon." And I, I think the church today um, is living in the light of this Peter notion, initial notion of what Jesus is all about, rather than Jesus' rebuke to us. Let's put some legs on this. Somebody has said uh, that the world is run by people who just show up. I know that's true of faculty meetings. I know it's true of ecclesiastical meetings. I know that it's true of the city council meeting where I live. The people that are willing to show and stay until the end uh, run the world. Okay. I think that's almost a basic proposition. Once we apply that to this manifesto and think in these terms and are hanging out with Jesus and start smelling like Jesus, maybe we got a show and that's it talk re- react to what i just said both of you please if you would it's radio if you don't talk we got a problem <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure yeah, i got my uh, notepad gotta... open and my pen in my hand line go ahead i don't i right. don't uh i'm not sure i understand it steve um uh, what, what do you mean is there this, was, this, I, woody I, allen theology you're talking no, no, about no no really not show up I, stuff. uh i had a I met with some guys from Iowa for lunch here, and they looked like professional wrestlers. And all they could do was talk about Jesus. And we walked out, and they wanted to get a picture taken. And as I walked uh, down to the parking lot, I turned around, and I said, you guys smell like Jesus. And one of them said, Brian, you smell like pipe smoke. And then, <laughs> and then he said, then he said, but expensive pipe smoke. Yeah, good pipe and that, well, I, you know, there's something about, for instance, you smell like Jesus when you're unconditional. You smell like Jesus when you see a hungry man and you feed him. Right. You yeah. smell like Jesus when you point to him 
Uh, you become a beggar telling another beggar where you found bread. Mm-hmm. You become it's it's kind. You know the problem is, I, I think we no no we don't absolutely we don't. And so we hang out with each other, building our institutions, collecting our money, and and making empires when we're supposed to just show to show with the poor, to show in places right. of power, to show in places where there isn't any power. And as long as we've been with Jesus and smell like him, then what what you're saying in this manifesto is profound. If we're going to stay in a lump and hold hands and sing to no, Jesus, right. that's not going to do anything. I mean, I can agree with what you've written here and go and weep over it. But if I but if I don't if I hang out with more leaven, we're just a lump of leaven. It didn't make any difference. Right. Well, and this is where uh, I, I like you know that show up, uh, but it's show up and shut up, you know, because yeah. so often we show up and immediately start talking. And um, long be, this is one of the biggest heresies of the church today is the notion that we take Jesus to anybody. Um, you mean Jesus didn't arrive on the scene until you got there? Oh, that's interesting. No, we're, we're, our job is to join Jesus in what he's already doing and where he already is. That's what gives us the smell. We're hanging out where Jesus hangs out. Well, we know where he's hanging out. In, in, in the Gospels, he's never hanging out at the midst of where the power is. He's always on the margins. He's always on the periphery. He's not at the center of everything. I mean, uh, to make Jesus prime and central, you've got to decenter everything else. You know, So all these other centers get... Decent. Yes, and so we're hanging out. So, but that also means that we've got to shut up and listen to what the spirit is up to, so that we can join in what the spirit is doing. And so it's show up, but it's also shut up. I mean, the first, the first uh, rule of any the Hippocratic oath is do no harm, and you, we must not harm what the Holy Spirit is already doing. We must not hamstring in any way the Holy Spirit, which means that we've got to uh, hear into speech. We don't talk at all. We shut up and listen until we've heard what the spirit is speaking and then we mm. and then we join in and um so you're exactly right and that's what gives us the smell when we're hanging out with jesus yeah and there's there's a a segment or uh, a section in the manifesto that talks about christ not only being the head but also the body and that jesus christ is a corporate pursuit and for so long our christianity has been very individualistic and so what I what I uh, am delighted to see is that many believers are taking the message of this manifesto and they are dialoguing about it together. And some of them who are part of the same churches or the same fellowships are making Christ their focus, a new and fresh in a new way, and learning how and seeking to learn how to live by Him. And this is another point we make: is that Christ just isn't. Uh, you know, a, a person off sitting at the right hand of the Father, but he has now come to dwell in us. And that isn't even a theological statement in itself. That is a practical reality. But it's a corporate reality. It's something we learn together. And so one of our hopes is to see, and this is happening uh, here and there, uh, and with the hopes that it will expand, is that God's people are finding one another and communing uh, on one point, and that is this glorious wonderful Christ. Let us pursue him. Let us get to know him. Let us follow him, not just as individuals, but together. 
And uh, in my own view, that's really where you have the life of the church, this thing we call church. It's in that corporate pursuit of a person rather than a thing. Another thing I want to say, too, is that um, it has been my experience, and, and I think you'll resonate with this, Steve. I've, I've heard you long enough to, to believe that you um, will resonate with this probably stronger than I have. But that is that everything in the Christian faith, be it a theology, be it a spiritual fad, be it a, a, a new doctrine or, or a new practice, even our spiritual disciplines, everything wears out eventually. Yeah. Except for the Lord Jesus Christ. He will never wear out. And so if we get our focus right on pursuing him in all of his glory, then, um, boy, he's new every morning, yet he's always the same. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things I've said to people where they've asked uh, me and the, the churches I work with, what do you guys feel about this particular doctrine? Or what do you think about this particular fad or, or this particular movement? And one of our responses it has been, we'll get to that after we have explored all of the riches of Jesus Christ. Mm. Then we'll get to that other thing. Yeah. Just making the point that there is so much in him. He is so beyond what most of us have ever thought or imagined that to find him as he is and to begin to pursue him, as Paul said, that I may know him. He said that late in his life, that I may know him. Uh, I think that's, that's where word. things happen. That's where the electricity is. Is in uh, uh, that word? No, is not knowledge. It, right. Aren't saying knowledge? It's relationship, and that's yeah. right. And that's uh, something just to reinforce what Frank just said there, and how how insidious this uh, um, individualism can, has become uh, that we inherited from this Gutenberg culture, um, where it became all about. Jesus in me, not mm-hmm. me in Christ. That's a huge shift for, to see myself in Christ as opposed to seeing Jesus in me. And I, I tell you, every time I hear that phrase, that there's only a hole, there's a hole in your heart that only Christ can fill. And I just want to puke, you know. So that's what Jesus is now, a plug. we got the Jesus plug <laughs> that plugs up that hole in your heart. Well, you just took <laughs> away one of my, oh, shoot. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, you know what the dangerous thing about this is? You, you guys know that if you wrote this, you wrote a theological statement. It has a number of truth propositions that if we, um, if we use the principle of non-contradiction, we could lay those truth propositions out. Uh, it's something that you could defend or you can say is true or it's not true. If we're going to play the Aristotelian game, you know, you've got a good beginning on a systematic. Now, the dangerous thing is that, that people don't see that it's important that people get it, not that they dissect it, uh, that they, you know, when I read it, something in me said, Oh man. And when people say, oh, man, that's good. And don't you defend it. Don't go out there and and start another thing that needs defense. If this is really about Jesus and not anything else, then those who get it will get it, and those who don't won't, and you should not care. Well, not care much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't think I, you would. I really, 
I believe that the, I really believe the truth is more powerful than lies. So, and yeah, you know, the, and that Jesus is the truth. And so the truth is a person. And so I, I'm not, I'm just not worried about it. I was with, uh, a group of ministers um, in the in the in the quote unquote apostolic movement, and I hope you forgive me for cussing just now. But um, <laughs> I I um, I was asked to speak. I spoke for a very short period of time, but I ended the message with a uh, a story. And I said, every year, three people get together for an annual conference, and all they do is weep. And the first one is Mary. And she weeps, and she says, I came into this world to give him life and to bring him to humanity. But they have worshipped me. And she continues to weep. And then the Holy Spirit speaks, and he says, weeping, I came to reveal him. I came to testify of him. I came to magnify him and to make him real and alive. But they have put me on the throne, and they have forgotten about him. And then the last person at the conference speaks, and it's the Bible. And the Bible weeping says, I came to point all my arrows to him, and to show women, men, angels, and demons who he is, his greatness and his glory. But they have made a god out of me. And when I finished, there was a 20-second silence, just heavy silence in the room. And a woman in the, in the back of the audience started to sing a worship song to Jesus Christ. And for about three minutes, <laughs> our eyes shifted from everything else going on in that conference oh, man. to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was powerful. And my point is, is that if we can get our eyes and our hearts and our minds focused on Him who is life, that which the Father is seeking to make the all in all, then boy, we will see some major. Guys, this is good stuff. This really is. Uh, and well, it's, you know, you know, the embarrassment to me, Steve, is, is that we even got to talk about this. I know, I know. Why should? It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it I mean, really it's amazing is. Amazing that way. You know, when you're when you're out there saying, you know, Christ is all and in all, and and it's all about Him, and people are going, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Wait a I minute. Know. I know. No, and and uh, oh, wherever sweets goes, he he wants to talk about Jesus as if this is. Heresy or something. I mean, we've got things to do. Or, and... or when I when I did the nines, you know, because I do, I reference scripture all the time. I mean, the function <laughs> of the scriptures, the point to Christ, you know. So you can't separate the scriptures and Jesus, you know. And and so for me, they're all connected. And and so as I did, you're familiar with the nines thing that Leadership Network did, at any rate. So as I'm talking in my nine minutes, this thing goes over the screen. Sweet is one of the most scripture intensive people you will ever meet. <laughs> this is the new way of talking about a Bible thumper, you know? <laughs> Just because you quote Scripture all the time, you're always trying to, you know, show how the Scriptures point to Christ and... Oh man! So it's so embarrassing. Yeah, so just embarrassing. Ha just hang on for nine minutes, and we'll get to some power principles for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> and Lynn, 
You you uh, you don't shilly shally. Stay with it, man. Uh, and right back at you, brother. Love, love your voice. It is hey, liquid gold. Yours isn't half bad either, man. <laughs> you and I should take this thing on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've seen so your as long as they don't have to look at it. Well, no, no. I've seen your picture. You kind of look the way you sound. I'm a little yeah, guy, yeah, a little right. ball headed guy, and it's God's joke that I have a voice like this. <laughs> hey, God bless you both. Bye bye. It's that tobacco that does it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's that good old pipe. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you guys. Bye bye. The Brown Sessions at SteveBrownETC.com.